Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. At some point, we've either heard said or said ourselves, this really isn't about you. Sometimes it's accurate, and other times we may just be trying to let someone down easy. However, in today's message, Pastor Ryan Neal reminds us that our experiences may not be for us, but to serve a greater purpose. Acts is the continuation of the gospel. So the last recorded act about Jesus in the gospel according to Matthew was the resurrection. The last recorded act in Mark is the ascension. The last recorded act in Luke is actually the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the last recorded act in John is the second coming. Well, guess what? All of those things are uh, put into the first chapter of Acts. So it's as if all of these different gospels coming from all these different directions and all funneling down through Acts because Acts addresses every single one of those things in the first of uh, the first part of acts the resurrection the ascension the promise of the spirit the second coming all of those things are addressed and so without acts if acts went away now i'm not saying that we could really do with it without any of the bible but we've got four gospels many of them repeat themselves uh, or give different accounts of the same thing but the book of acts is unlike any other book. It's the only book of history that we found in the New Testament. Uh, and the book of Acts uh, is a, a very important book because it's called Acts for a reason. Uh, the, many of the earlier scholars named it the Acts of the Apostles. But truthfully, what it is, is it's the Acts of Jesus through the Holy Spirit uh, uh, in the indwelling of the Apostles. But we're going to see today that this is the beginning uh, or the gospels were the beginning of the scripture says that all that Jesus began to do and teach, uh, but it was not the end. The gospels were not the end because he said that in like manner that I went away from you. He told the disciples specifically in the book of John, he said, it's needful for you that I go away because if I go away, essentially, he said, I'll come back to you and I will be inside of you. Okay, so now uh, before Jesus was was finite, he was just like us. He was powerful. He was amazing. He was the son of God. But at the end of the day, he could only really be in one place at one time. But now he says that my spirit is going to come back and infill every one of you believers. Paul tells us in the book of Romans that that same spirit that he sent was the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. So now instead of that spirit of God being embodied inside of one person, and instead of God, uh, anointing the disciples and sending them out to preach uh, and to teach and to heal and anointing them for that particular purpose. He says, now I'm putting a spirit on the inside of you where there's going to be something intangible inside of you that's going to give you the power to do the same things that I did when I was here. Now, when we look at the book of Acts, there are two parts of the book of Acts. Part of Acts is history and part of Acts is present and future. There are some things that happen in the book of Acts, like the initial falling of the Holy Spirit that we will never see again because the Holy Spirit has already fallen. But there are also some very important things in the book of Acts that we are to look at as examples for us and not just history or something for us to know or understand or to memorize or to realize that it happened. There are some things. He said that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And that promise of power was not just to the disciples for then. It's the same promise that's given to us now. 
when Peter got up in Acts 2, he told them, he said, because this promise is to you and to your children and to many who are what? Afar off. He said, it's going to be some people coming way after you. It's going to be some people coming decades and decades and generations and thousands of years after you. And this promise is to them as well, as many as the Lord shall call. So in the book of Acts, and we're going to go to Acts chapter one, and we're going to read verse one through 11 today. And, uh, and, and then we'll talk about some of the other parts of the book of Acts, but we're just going to read from chapter one, verses one through 11. And, he, and we'll stop in there because I'll kind of give you my introduction. We'll, we'll go through our introduction by reading uh, through uh, these first 11 verses. He says, the former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So it's Luke again. He's talking to this man named Theopolis. Some people say because Theopolis just means lover of the word of God. And so many people see that and they say, oh, he's just talking to whoever loves the word of God. But the fact that Theopolis is capitalized, let's us see that probably Theopolis was a particular person that he was writing to. And while he attended for this book, intended for this book to be a book uh, to be of general applicability and to help whoever loved the word of God, it's likely that Theopolis was a particular person, maybe even someone who asked him to author this book or financed uh, his authoring of this book so that he would have the time to be able to do those things. But we don't see anything else about Theopolis in scripture. So all of that is uh, just supposition. But the important part here in verse one is he said of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. And it's important that we see that word began there. He said he began to do and teach. It was not where he ended. It was just where he began. And it says until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Just a little bit of history here. This is where we get uh, our what we call Easter or Resurrection Sunday that's coming up soon. And then 50 days from that time is where we get the day of Pentecost or what we call Pentecost Sunday, because he was with them for 40 days from the time that he rose. So the time that he rose, that's Resurrection Sunday. Then he was with them for 40 days. Uh, speaking to them pertaining the things of the kingdom of God. And then he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. And they were in Jerusalem in the upper room for 10 days. So that makes the 50 or the Pentecost. Um, and so just a quick aside there. So you understand where that comes from. Verse four, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, I don't know about you, but this is kind of one of those things where if I was one of the disciples, I would have, uh, they were, of course, probably had a lot of wonder and they had a lot of excitement because they're seeing Jesus who had been dead, who is now alive and he's showing the real power that he had. But look at how cryptic this is that he told them. And he said, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait on the promise of the father. And the only indication he gave them was that he said, which he said, you have heard from me. Well, we know the disciples weren't listening. And when they were listening, half the time they didn't understand what Jesus was saying because they went looking at an empty tomb for a risen savior. And the angels had to come to them and say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? 
He had prophesied to them on many occasions. He had told them at many times. They had asked him to break down the prophecies. And he talked about destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. It's needful for you that I go away. He's telling them, I'm going to go away. And this promise of the father is going to come back to you. But at the end of the day, when he died, they still went into hiding. When he died, Peter still denied him. When he died, they still went and shut themselves up, the scripture says, because they were afraid of the Jews. So the only thing that they're getting here is to go to Jerusalem and wait on a promise. And we don't even know what the promise is, but I love the obedience that we will see that they had. And he said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, verse 6, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That shows you right there that they have no idea what the promise is. They're asking him, hey, is this the time that you're going to bring us out of captivity from a natural standpoint? Is this the time that you're going to bless us? Is this the time that you're going to make us a world power? Is this the time that you're going to establish the kingdom of Israel and give us a king again and allow us to rule over Roman, the Roman empire that has now uh, captured us and made us uh, uh, their bond service or made us um, conquered our nation, caused us to speak their language and everything. They say, no, is this the time that you're about to return the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time that you're about to give us back power? And sometimes uh, the Lord makes a promise to us, even in this day and age. And what we really want him to do, what we really want the promise to be is something material. We want the promise to be something that we can hold in our hands, something that is tangible, something that we can view in our bank account, something that we can. But he said, no, the promise that I have for you is something greater than something tangible. The promise that I have for you is the power of the Holy Ghost. The promise I have for you is, is, is the same promise I talked about to the woman at the well. She said, are you going to give me, I'd love to have this water where I'd never thirst again. And he said, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something that's going to blow your mind. I'm going to give you something. If you will get your mind frame to a point where you will expect from me what I want to give to you and not only open up your heart and your mind to what you want to receive, he said, then I will be able to bless you with something that will literally blow your mind, blow your thinking, blow uh, 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 everything that you have. It'll completely mess up the framework for what you thought you needed to get along in this life. And so he tells them, he says, and I love this about it because a lot of times when we preach this scripture, we, we say, oh, they're so silly and they're such a mess. And they, they're asking about, is the kingdom going to be returned to Israel? And he was trying to give them the Holy Spirit. But look at this. Jesus does not rebuke them. And we know that Jesus was not shy about rebuking the disciples. He did it on many occasions. But in this particular time, it's almost as if he's telling them, it's not that I'm not going to do what you're asking, but, but I want you to look. And he says, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he didn't tell them what you want is not going to happen, but he said, but it's not time for you to know and to understand the times and the seasons. He said, I, I did not call you. I did not call you to understand me. And that's the problem with a lot of us is that we think that God has called us to understand him. But he said, I didn't call you to understand me. I called you to obey me.
I didn't call you to try to figure out everything that I'm doing, even in your own life, and especially not in somebody else's life. But what I called you to do is trust me when you don't understand what I'm doing. I told you that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord. And I need you to stand on the promise that I'm a father that only gives good gifts. But I need you to be in a situation where you can stop trying to understand what I'm doing, stop trying to see my hand, stop trying to get me to tell you everything, because what you do with when when you don't trust someone that's when you begin to ask them for information over and over again when you don't trust someone that's when you begin to say you ever been in a car with somebody and you constantly like where are you going what you doing you know now now if you're in a car with somebody and you think you know where you're going and you think you know where they're going and they make a turn that you're not expecting the first thing you want to say is where are you going or what you doing and that's if you a good co-pilot because my wife she let me drive the wrong way. I'm looking at her because she's over here. Uh, she let me drive. She'll let you drive the wrong way for the longest time and be like, I was wondering where you was going. But the natural inclination for us is that we want to say, well, what is going on? But when you're in a foreign city and you're in a town that you don't know, you're somewhere uh, in Chicago or you're somewhere in North Carolina or somewhere in a city that you've never been before and somebody tells you, I'm going to take you to the store. You don't concern yourself with every little turn that they make because you don't know what you're doing. And the problem with many of us is that we want to pin God down and we want to box God in because we feel like we ought to know or we feel like we know what he ought to be doing. But what God said is it's not for you to know and understand all of the times and the seasons. I'm not telling you not to watch and pray. I'm not telling that you that you can't pray about it and ask me to reveal things to you. But at the end of the day, don't put me in a box where you think that I've got to answer all your questions. Don't put me in a position where if something doesn't go the way that you felt like it should go and you're not where you thought you would be at 35 and by 42 you thought you would have this and by 28 you thought that things would have worked out better in your life and he said it's not unto you to know the times and the seasons I didn't call you to understand me I didn't call you to question me I called you to obey me I called you to trust me just like that person in the car that has no idea what the next turn is because they've never been to the city before you need to know and understand that you've never been you've never in your life been to March 7th, 2021 before. And while you might think you understand life, March 8th, 2021 may be something that you are completely out of the realm of your possibilities. And so he said, I want you to sit there. I want you to trust me. I want you to connect with me, but I don't want you to think that something is wrong if you don't understand me. And so he says, but but I will promise you this. You may not know the times and the seasons. You may not understand everything that's I'm, that I am doing. You may not understand what the father has got going on. You may not understand what is going on in your life right now. He said, but I have promised you this. I promised you that you will receive power. What kind of power? The same power that raised up Jesus from the dead will come up on you once the Holy Ghost has come up on you and you will be witnesses of me. He said, where? In Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. Area, and then he says, into the uttermost parts of the world. And Acts chapter one and verse eight provides us a, uh, a, a outline for the rest of the book of Acts. Because when we look in Acts chapter one, verses, uh, Acts chapter one through verse seven, we see the Holy Spirit at work. Uh, Jesus operating, sending the Holy Spirit at work in the apostles in Jerusalem. And when we move on to verses uh, chapter eight through 12, we see them in Judea and in Samaria. And in the remainder of the book, 
and further on, we see them going to the uttermost part of the earth. The thing about the book of Acts that is interesting too is that the book of Acts just kind of comes to an abrupt end. It comes to an end with Paul in his house preaching and teaching uh, and, and witnessing, but it doesn't really have like a finite end. And the reason for that I truly believe is because that we are still living in the book of Acts. We are still not the part that was written by Luke, but we are still the church. This was the beginnings of the church, and we are called to go on and to go in the same way that the Holy Spirit was leading the disciples even today. This is the Acts church that we live in even today, but we are not uh, seeing the gospel go out into the world the way that it should go. It's been preached in Jerusalem. It's been preached in Judea and Samaria, and, and some people need to go back and, of course, preach it again, but the main thing is that it needs to go to the uttermost part of the earth. It has to go everywhere, and God is looking for us once the power of the Holy Ghost has come upon us to be witnesses of him in throughout all the earth. So when he talks about this former treaty that he says that he made unto you, O Theopolis, he's speaking of the book of Luke. He says all that Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts is still Jesus at work. The book of Acts is truthfully the first book of the new covenant or of the new Testament. We've talked in the past about how Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, excuse me, we're still operating under the law until the resurrection of Jesus, because that is really what started the new covenant. The Bible tells us that in, in the book of Hebrews, he said, how can there be a new testament or a new covenant unless there is the death of the testator? Now, you got to understand a little bit about estate planning um, or, or, or about probate law to understand that. So let me tell you, when we write wills, we call them a last will and testament. It's the last will and testament. And so the old covenant was, was done away with once Jesus died. And then when he rose again, now we've got a new covenant or a new testament. And the old covenant has gone away. But there had to be the death of what the scripture calls and what we still call today the testator. And once the testator died, then the old covenant could go away. You don't keep a will past uh, uh, putting into play what the will said for uh, the person that died. But see, the thing about it is that the prophecies of the Old Testament were the, uh, the prophecies of the Old Testament was the will. And when I say will, I don't mean will of God as in God's uh, will being played out. I mean it as in last will and testament. But the prophecies of the Old Testament were like provisions of a will. And those prophecies of the Old Testament could not be played out until Jesus died. And many of them, of course, he played out in his life. But in his death is where the temple, uh, the, the, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. And we were given open access to the Father through Jesus Christ. And he told them, it's needful for you that I go away. I got to go away because these prophecies have got to be fulfilled. He fulfilled them in his life and the last of them he fulfilled in his death. And then we still see prophecies with regards to us and with regards to this world being fulfilled today. Okay, so Jesus died and when he died, his will was probated and the will that he had said that the Holy Spirit had to fall. And that's why we are here today. And that's why we are still carrying out the book of Acts in the New Testament church. 
Hallelujah. Just because he was taken to heaven doesn't mean he stopped teaching, though, because we see a lot of times where people want to put a lot of emphasis on the red letter version of what happened in the Gospels. But I'm here to tell you that there was no red letter back in those days, okay? And sometimes people think, I've even heard people say, well, we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and not in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it said it in the red letters. But he also told the disciples, he said, I want you all to start the church. He said, everything that you have seen and heard of me. Then the Bible says that he breathed on them and they understood the scriptures. So if we really want to know what the church of Jesus Christ should look like, we look to the book of Acts because he breathed on them and he, he exposed himself to them so that they could understand the scriptures and they could understand the prophecy. And when we look all throughout the book of Acts, we see the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the reception of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that is why we believe what we believe because he breathed on them to understand the scriptures. I want you to know and to understand. And, and I'm almost done here, but now I'm getting to... Um, to my actual message. All of that was just the introduction for you for the book of Acts, but this is the part where I really want to harp on today. Let's read really quickly uh, Acts 1 and 9. It says, and now he had, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up in the heavens? Who uh, uh, the spirit of God that, that has nothing to do with Jesus? No. He says, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He said, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's going to be right on the inside of you. You go on to Jerusalem. You listen to what he told you. He's going to baptize you with this Holy Spirit. But the thing that I love about this is that, you know, it, it gives us as, as individuals kind of like a room for error. Because I look at the disciples and they're standing here gazing into the heaven. And Peter, when he heard about the resurrection, he went running to the tomb. And the women went running to the tomb. And the same kind of situation happened there where two men in white apparel are like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And the same thing he there said here, they said, why are you standing gazing up into the heavens? But the thing about it is that sometimes for us, we find ourselves looking at what God has done and think that that's how God is going to move in the future. And so in both of these instances, we see them looking at where God came from instead of listening to his word to figure out where he's going. And we have to be careful in our own lives that we don't put ourselves in a situation that we're constantly looking at the past because God said that I am moving forward. I am moving you forward. And I don't want you to just look at what's happened in the past and then put me in a box of what I'm going to do in the future. Yes, I was dead, but the same God, that the same Jesus that died is the same Jesus that rose again. I'm doing something new. I told you in my word, I prophesied this thing. I'm doing something different. Don't look for me in the tomb because I have been resurrected. This same Jesus that was received up into heaven, don't stand gazing into the sky because the same Jesus that went up into the cloud and was received into heaven is coming back to you in like manner in the Holy Spirit because he's going to be inside of you now and not just right next to you. And we are still looking for him to, they're still looking for him rather to be in a fleshly form, but he's already promised them a power. And he said, and I prophesied to you about that. I said, won't I send you the Holy Spirit? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is everything you need. Jesus, even when he was talking to them, he said, don't you know, when he was talking to them about prayer, he said, don't you know that your father only gives good, good gifts? 
How many of you, if your child asks you for bread, you give them a snake? Or if they ask you for an egg, you give them a scorpion? He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does the Holy Father would give? And then he kind of makes a detour here where you can't understand it because he was talking about food. And he says, if you being evil know how to give your children good gifts, then he says, how much more will the, your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them? And, and if you're not careful to pay attention there and understand what's happening, you'll say, but wait, he was just talking about fine, fine, you know, finances and food and you know, all of these things that I need. And then he switches it up and starts talking about the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing about God. It's not that he doesn't want to bless you financially. It's not that he doesn't want to give you uh, uh, wealth or bless you in a certain way, but he doesn't want you to be caught up in that. So when they begin to ask, even here in this first chapter, about restoring the kingdom to, to Israel, um, uh, or restoring, excuse me, yeah, the kingdom to Israel so that they can be a world superpower again, and so they can have a good economy, and that they could have the jobs and the crops and whatever it is that they needed, he took their attention and turned it to the Holy Spirit. And then the same thing, when we look back in the Gospels, when he's talking to the disciples, he said, if you being evil, if you being uh, uh, basically evil parents in comparison to how good I am, and, and those of you that are parents on the call, you know the sacrifices we make for our kids. You know the things that we do to try to make sure that they're taken care of. And sometimes it hurts us to do those things. And it might even take from money we wanted to use for something else. But if they need new shoes, we're going to get them new shoes, regardless of how much money we got. If, they, if, they, if there's something that they want really bad and we can find it in our means to provide it for them, we're going to give it to them. And in all of that, Jesus said, you're evil. You're evil parents compared to how good of a father I am. Compared to how good your heavenly father is, you all are all evil. And so he tells them, he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit to those of them who desire it? Well, the whole point of that, he didn't move from financial, he didn't move from food, he didn't move from all of the things that you may need in this earthly life or that your physical body, your physicality may need. He didn't move from that and then just go spiritual. What he said is, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to be all you ever needed for anything you ever desired. And you know why? Because the fuller that you get of the Holy Spirit, the more you will desire the things that I have for you the more that I can give you the desires of your heart. Because he said, I only want good things for you. So if he wants something for us and it doesn't happen, it wasn't good. And we've got to have that kind of blind, crazy faith where if something doesn't happen that we felt like should happen, we say, you know what, God, I trust you. I'm not worried about the kingdom being restored to Israel. I'm not worried about uh, uh, the, the bigger house or the bigger car or, or all these things. I, if, if you didn't give it to me, God, I've got enough trust in you to say, I don't understand you, but I believe you. I can't trace you, but I trust you. I don't know what you're doing and I'm confused by it, but I know who you are. And because you're a good father who only gives good gifts, who gives us the Holy Spirit, then I'm just gonna focus on being full of the Holy Spirit and doing everything I can to walk out what you are calling for me to do. But what we have to understand and what I really wanna to, uh, to pin it on here is that he says in verse eight, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me. The New King James says to me, but it means you're gonna be witnesses of me. 
And then he begins to mention these different places. But the real point of today's sermon, other than the introduction, if you don't get anything else from it, I want you to understand the background. But what I want you to understand is that we are to be witnesses of him, to be witnesses of him. And my subject today, as I close, is it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about being a witness of him. It's about being a witness of Jesus. What do we need to do to be a better witness of him, of what he has done? You know, I, I one thing that I do, and this isn't to be um, to be super spiritual or anything like that. But when God does something in my life, I try to find a way, especially when I'm dealing with a situation where I'm dealing with someone who doesn't know God. I try to always find a way to blame it on God. I try to always find a way when they say, man, how did you do that? I say, you know, that was nothing but God, because let me tell you and, and use it as an opportunity to tell a testimony. And, and, and I'm not necessarily expecting them to be saved on the spot, you know, but at the same time, I know uh, this week, something like that happened. And, and a friend of mine was like, man, how did that happen? How did, how did that happen for you? And I said, you know what? It was just God. I said, because I was up to no good. You know, and I said, and when this whole process started, I said, you know, I, I really wasn't even in a place that I should have been, but God used that place that I was in to end up making something wonderful happen. And I just took him through my testimony because that's sometimes where you got a captive audience. Look, you asked me what happened. And so, you know, I'm going to find a way to be a witness of him in everything that I do in everywhere that I go, because I realize, like Isaiah 43 and seven says, he said that we were created for his glory. So everywhere I go, everything I do, we need to constantly be looking for ways to bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be witnesses of him all over the earth. Amen. Amen. That is all I have for you all today. I just want us to know and to understand. Like I said, it was a, mostly an introduction, but the main thing and the verse that uh, really is the uh, probably the, 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 the catalyst verse or the most uh, important verse or key verse in the book of Acts is Acts 1 and 8, that we are to receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon us and that we are to be witnesses of him. Where? Out throughout the entire earth. We are to be witnesses of him throughout the entire earth. Amen. Amen. At this time, we are going to go ahead and pray together. And we are going to dismiss. Um, we're going to dismiss this morning. And I really hope and pray that you all receive something out of the message today. Uh, but we are going to go ahead, amen, and, and just pray and dismiss. And the prayer that I want to pray over you is that you will allow yourself to get out of your own head, allow yourself to get out of your own situation or, or what is going on and realize that our purpose in life is to be a witness of him. And that is what we're going to see here in the book of Acts over these next several, several weeks is we are going to see witnesses for him, how they witnessed for him. Amen. Uh, and we're not going to rush through this series. We're going to take our breaks where we need to, kind of where I told you guys last week. I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up in the book of Acts for the next several weeks, uh, maybe even toward the latter half of this year. Uh, the good thing about the book of Acts is that it's not just one theme. We're going to have a lot of different information and preaching material to go through. So it's not going to get boring or dull or anything like that. 
Um, and I believe that uh, we'll probably even have some tag teams where we'll have some other people come in and, and, and preach some of the messages during the series. We'll take a break from it for things like Easter and Mother's Day and Father's Day uh, so that we can you know, deal with those particular holidays. But we are going to uh, just really take a deep dive into the book of Acts just after leaving the gospel, specifically the book of Luke that we took a deep dive into during our Bible study. And now we are going to dive into the second uh, um, account or the second, how does he say, the former account I made to the old Theopolis. So the second account uh, of Luke. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love, God, your mercy, your grace. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, just, just thinking enough of us, God, to give us your word, to give us your holy scriptures, Lord God. We ask, God, that you, over these next several weeks, Lord Jesus, just open up our understanding, Lord Jesus, so we can understand what the purpose is of the church, what the mission is of the church. God, how to be witnesses of you, Lord Jesus, how this thing all started, and through looking at our history as a church, oh God, that you can begin to show us where we should be right now. God, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus to help us, oh God, to mature over these next uh, uh, several, several weeks, Lord Jesus. Help us to be able to look back between, um, be between the times of now and where we end this series and be able to see where we grew as a church, see where we grew as an individual, and let there be a market change in our life, Lord Jesus, as we go through this book of Acts, Lord Jesus, and, and desire to have a closer relationship with you and a better understanding of what you are calling your church to do. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. And that's a real thing. I want you guys to uh, be looking at and thinking about uh, from now until we get into, you know, probably at least the next six months, just begin to be able to uh, take an inventory now of where you are. And the same thing, uh, as they used to say, from the pulpit to the door that, uh, that I will be doing and Jessica will be doing as well, is looking at where we are, not just as a church, but as an individual, because the Bible tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I truly believe that by the time we end this series, that we should see some growth and development in our lives. So see some growth and development in our church and see some growth and development in our own individual temples, in our own individual church. Um, and so I want you to think about that. Spend some time, even if you're a journaler, spend some time journaling about it and, and maybe putting before the Lord some of the things, not necessarily things that are... Um, that are physical, not necessarily things that have to do with the kingdom being restored to Israel, uh, AKA the natural stuff, but take a spiritual inventory. And of course, God is gonna bless you naturally. We know that, but take a spiritual inventory and begin to see where you are now and begin to have an idea of where you want the Lord to take you, um, where you want the Lord to take you by the time uh, we are done with this, amen? Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. God bless you all. May he keep you and may his face shine on you and bless you in Jesus name. We hope this has been a blessing. Join us live on Sundays via Zoom. Relationship Kids is at 1130 a.m. Prayer is at 1230 p.m. And service starts at 1245 p.m. All times given are in the central time zone. The login number is 314-720-8880. Feel free to call that number for prayer or text the word connect there to grow with us. Again, that number is 
8880. Until next time, take care.